it's Friday night again, and that means it's time for the Three Valleys Radio Racing Show. We've got all the usuals here. And we'll be looking at all the weekend's racing. Pencil and paper ready, and look out for Colin Brown and Dave Wilson and Richard Phillips. All the tipsters will be here to mark your card. And we've got another equine superstar. Well, good evening and welcome to another edition of the Three Valleys Radio Racing Show. My name's A.D. Hopper, I'm here to conduct you through events this evening. And of course we're going to start, as we always do, with all the news from the racing media. Hello and a very warm welcome along to this week's edition of the Racing News. With all the news that is the news from the racing media, including Racing TV, the Racing Post and the Sporting Life. I'm Mike Padden, welcome along to this week's edition, and here's our first story. Love Envoy will be given one more run before the Cheltenham Festival as trainer Harry Fry expects her to continue to thrive as she gets closer to her main target for the season in the Close Brothers' Mares' Hurdle. The seven-year-old produced a flawless performance in the listed Mares' Hurdle at Sandown on Saturday and is scheduled to run again at that level at Warwick on February the 11th. An additional race comes as Fry looks to follow a similar path to the festival as taken last year. Love Envoy had four races before winning the Mares' Novice Hurdle, with the trainer believing the best way to campaign her is to run fairly regularly. He said, She thrives on her racing, and these horses are there to race. She went to Cheltenham on the back of four wins, and there's a long time between now and March, so all being well, we will go to Warwick on February the 11th for a listed Mares' race. That'll be just over four weeks until the festival. That's the plan. We'll use that as our stepping stone. Paddy Power cut Love Envoy to 4-1 to one from 7 for the Grade 1 after her 13-length win at Sandown, and she completed a huge double on the day for Noel Fahili Racing Syndicates with Tarmuras landing the Grade 1 Tolworth Hurdle. Fry, who was not at Sandown, highlighted how she was delighted with the professionalism of Love Envoy. The 30 to 100 shot was always in control under Johnny Burke and achieved a career best racing post racing of 150. He said, I was delighted with her. She just looks to be getting more professional, and Johnny was thrilled with how she settled, came alive down the back straight, and won well. I'm thrilled that she seemed to be progressive again this season and hopefully she can keep on an upward curve all the way to March. We were happy with her comeback run but as ever left some room for improvement and she thrives with racing. From each race she seemed to get better and we hope she can progress this season. She seems to be at the moment. And next, here 
on the racing news. Banger has joined Leicester in cancelling its fixture this week due to waterlogging. The Welsh track held an inspection on Monday morning and called off Thursday's meeting, with standing water on the course and a high water level from the nearby River Dee. A total of 37 millimetres of rain fell at the course from Thursday into Sunday. Clerk of the course, Andrew Tullock, said, The banks haven't given, thanks goodness, but it's just backing up and can't get away. When the height of the river is higher than your drains, it ain't going to go anywhere. It's really disappointing and a great shame, but the forecast for tomorrow is awful as well. Banger suffered weather woes during the cold snap that affected racing in Britain and Ireland last month when losing its final fixture of the year due to a frozen track. The track's next meeting on February the 10th features the inaugural running of the North Wales National, a three-mile, five-and-a-half furlong chase worth £15,000. Leicester's fixture on Wednesday was cancelled due to waterlogging and false areas of ground. A listed Mares's Chase was the feature on the six-race card, but the track failed an inspection on Sunday afternoon. Next, here on the Racing News. Jack Kennedy's prospect of winning a first jump jockey's title have potentially been hit with a crushing blow as the table topper suffered a suspected broken leg at Nas on Sunday. The 23-year-old started the day with a 20-win lead over five-time champion Paul Townend, but he took a heavy tumble at the fourth fence in the two-mile novice chase, which fatally injured his mount top bandit. The rider was taken to hospital for further assessment and missed the remainder of his rides, including Irish Point in the feature Grade 1 Lawlers of Nass Novice Hurdle. With the Cheltenham Festival just over two months away, Kennedy will face a race against time to be fit for the four biggest days of the season if the injury turns out to be as serious as initially thought. Trainer Gordon Elliott said, It doesn't look good for Jack, unfortunately. It's low down on the left leg, so we'll just have to wait and see what the x-ray says. Hopefully it's not as serious as we think. Whatever happens, the horses will be here for him when he's back. He's a massive part of the team here at Calentra, and I wish him a speedy recovery. Kennedy has been in flying form all season and celebrated the 36th Grade 1 victory of his short but distinguished career when conflated landed the Savills chase at Leopardstown over Christmas. It was the third top-level success of the campaign for Kennedy, who also ended Honeysuckle's unbeaten run on T. Hoopoo in the Tatton's Grace Hurdle last month and won the Drinmore Novice Chase with Mighty Potter at the same meeting. Townend went on to complete a double on the NAS card on Sunday with Appreciate It and Hunter's Yarn, which means the scoreboard now reads 77-59 to to Kennedy, with less than four months of the season remaining. Jordan Gainford stepped in for the ride on Irish Point in the feature contest and finished second behind Champ Keeley. Kennedy's latest injury comes just three weeks after Davy Russell, who had been a key part of Elliott's team, announced his retirement from riding. Next, here on the Racing News.
Money talked loud and clear in the first Grade 1 of the year in Ireland as Champ Keeley was backed into 100-30 from 7 at the off and made every yard of the running in yet another big race spoilt by low sun. There were eight races at Leopardstown Christmas Festival which were impacted by low sun and had obstacles admitted and they had to jump only seven instead of eleven here with the two hurdles in the home straight omitted. That said, it probably didn't make any difference to the result as Champ Keeley was an emphatic winner and stayed on strongly to see off Irish Point by two and a quarter lengths. In doing so, he reversed roll bond form with the George Elliott trained Grey who had finished ahead of him at Fairy House. But perhaps the most satisfied of all on Sunday night was Barry Connell whose supreme novices hurdle-bound Marine Nationale beat them both. This looked a different Champ Keeley to the one we saw at Fairy House though. Positive tactics, which had served him so well earlier in the season, were restored and he was always in control at the head of affairs. The big disappointment of the race was his Willie Mullin-trained stablemate Grange Clare West. The 15-8 to favourite relinquished his unbeaten record and was found to be blowing hard and coughing when examined afterwards. Paul Townend felt the performance was too bad to be true, saying, I was beaten very early. I was beaten at the last hurdle we jumped, which is usually the third last. My horse didn't run his race, but it rode like a decent race. It was another profitable spare ride for Danny Mullins, who was celebrating his 19th Grade 1 victory. The winning jockey said, I got a great feel from this fellow at Tipperary. The Royal Bond was a bit of a messy race, yet he was only beaten four and a bit lengths. I believed he had something like that in him. It's easy to say it now, but he's gone and proved it. He's a horse with a huge ability, and he had plenty of talking horses behind him today. The champion trainer, who was enjoying his eighth win in the race, and his fourth since it was elevated to Grade 1 status in 2015, was not at NAS but his assistant, David Casey, was, and he wasn't shocked to see the apparent stable second string come out on top. Casey said, I'm not really surprised, as they are two very good horses in their own right. I'd say, tactically, the race didn't work for Champ Keeley at Fairy House, and we went back to what he's good at today. I'd say the step-up in trip was a help as well, with soft ground. It all felt right, and Danny said he was very happy with him and he gave him a great ride. He was tough, and I think he would have been better with the two hurdles kept in up the straight. He could go either two miles or two and a half, but I'd say tactically we didn't get it right at Fairy House over two miles, and back over two and a half today he made the run in. Casey added, He won his bumper well without being spectacular, and what he did at Galway was very good. We gave him a break after that and he seemed to improve for it. He just kept getting better and better and was obviously very good the day he won at Galway. He's just a very good horse. Champ Keeley's Ballymore price was cut to 6-1 to one from 14, while favourite Hermes Allen hardened into as short as 5-2 to two on the back of the Lawlers of Nass result and he is now no bigger than 3-1. to one. 
This was another brave effort by Irish Point in defeat, although not as excruciating for connections to watch as the Royal Bond, as this time he played second fiddle to Champ Keeley all the way up the straight. The pair pulled seven lengths clear of Dawn Rising in third, suggesting the Royal Bond may have been a red-hot affair, and that Facile Vega may finally have a worthy challenger in the Supreme in the shape of Marine Nationale. And our final story here on the Racing News this week. Horses purchased by derby-winning owner Saleh al Homaizi during a blockbuster £20.5 million spending spree last autumn have not been paid for and are set to be resold privately and at the sales in the spring. Sales companies have been forced into the awkward position of having to contact potential purchasers of the horses only months after Al Homaisi surprisingly ignited the yearling sales in Britain, Ireland, France and the US with a string of blockbuster buys signed for by bloodstock agent Richard Knight. Knight has never publicly announced the buyer's name and their identity was the talk of the bloodstock industry last year. But the Racing Post revealed Al Homaisi, who won the derby in 2007 with Authorised, was behind the string of big money purchases in October. The buys included a £2.3 million sister to Group 1 Middle Pass Stakes and pre-morning winner Blackbeard at the Goffs Orby sale in September, which at the time was the highest price paid for a yearling anywhere in the world in 2022. However, in an email sent on Friday to individuals who had bought horses at the prestigious Tattersall's Book One sale in October, the sales house said, We are writing to you to advise that due to non-payment of sums owed, we will be offering 17 two-year-olds for resale, either by private sale with immediate effect or at sales or sales to be confirmed. The email listed 16 horses purchased at the Tattershall's Book One sale for 10.455 million guineas, headlined by a 2 million guineas Frankel Colt out of Bolt Lass. And a 1.8 million guineas Lope de Viga Philly, who is a half-sister to Batash and the Antarctic. In addition, there is one lot purchased for Al Homaisi at the Tattershall's Book 2 sales listed as unpaid for. Knight declined to publicly name the figure financing the purchases last year, although the Racing Post revealed that Homaisi was the mystery client behind the supercharged spending. The two are the only directors of SYH Bloodstock, an equestrian company established last year. The Racing Post also revealed that Knight had been appointed as an agent by Al Homaisi, allowing him to undertake various administrative tasks on behalf of the owner with the BHA. While not naming Al Homaisi, Knight had signalled the owner's ambitions during the sales and said, We're just trying to build a nice team of racehorses, and if the fillies are useful or they have good pedigrees, then that's fantastic, as we'll likely breed from them at the end of the day. Knight also said the horses would be trained in Britain after being broken in, in the process appearing to provide welcome investment into the country at a time when concerns have been increasing about a drain of talent overseas.
According to the Tattersall's email, the horses it is offering for resale have been in pre-training with Derby-winning jockey Adam Kirby. While leading auction companies Goffs and Tattersalls outline in their terms of sale that horses must be paid for in full before leaving the sales premises, purchasers are given typically 30 days or more to settle outstanding debts with potential buyers extended fixed lines of credit in some cases. In addition, while sales houses state in their terms that a vendor will not be paid for their horses until full payment has been received from the purchaser, it is understood by the Racing Post that the sales houses have paid the vendors. The Racing Post has spoken with a number of vendors whose horses were signed for by night at the sales. The vendors confirmed they had been paid out on the prices their horses were knocked down for in the ring and had not been told of any monetary issues by the sales houses. This has been this week's edition of the Racing News, with all the news that is the news from the racing media, including Racing TV, the Racing Post and the Sporting Life. I'm Mike Padden, and please do join us again for next week's edition of the Racing News. Well, now it's time to see where we can go racing this weekend. Right, we'll start. There are seven races on the flat at Lingfield on the all-weather with a 12.05 start. Seven races over the jumps at Weatherby with a 12.12 start. Seven races over the jumps at Kempton, 12.20 start. Seven races over the jumps at Fairy House, 12.27 start. Seven races over the jumps at Warwick, 12.40 start. Seven races on the flat at Chelmsford on the all-weather with a 5.30 start. There are seven races over the jumps at Kelso with a 12.30 start. Seven races over the jumps at Punchestown in Ireland with a 12.40 start. And seven races on the flat at Southall on the all-weather with a 12.50 start. Now it's time for another one of our equine superstars. Equine Superstars Very few horses can match the emotion of the 1981 Aintree Grand National when Bob Champion rode Alderneti to victory after an epic fight to overcome cancer. Champion's brave fight with the killer disease even inspired a film in which John Hurt played him as a jockey. Alderniti was born in 1970, his sire was Derek H and his dam Renardo. He was owned by Nick Imberakos and trained by legendary trainer Josh Gifford. take ourselves back to Aintree back in 1981.
running to the first fence and Tenekun, one of the first to show. Martinstown going up to join him. Pacify on the outside. Coral Festival on the inner. And it's Tenekun, Coral Festival, Caro Boy. Senator McLacurry, Martinstown up there with them, and Kylo Glady and Drum Rowan also, and Pacify, and as they cross the Melling Road, it's Tenakoon from Senator McLacurry, Zongaliero, Coral Festival, Drum Rowan and Pacify, as we join John Hanmer. And they're almost at the first now, and Pacify, one of the leaders, just about the first to rise. No fallers amongst the leading group, though towards the back another captain is down. And also Barney McCleavy is down. And the leader's now at the second, and it's Pacify over first from Kylo Glady. And I can't see a faller at the second, but as they go to the third, it's Pacify from Kylo Glady. Then in third place on the outside, Keninvi. Then Caro Boy. And over the big ditch, a bad mistake by Dramore. They appear still up there, but they're all over the third and over to Julian Wilson. Pacify leads coming into the fourth and over it. Pacify from Caro Boy towards the inside. Also towards the inside. Zongaliero is prominent. Chumson is down. Chumson is down at that one. And also towards the outside. Uh, Del Moss is down as they come. And Brown Baru has been pulled up and over that one. It was Caro Boy who led over it from towards the inside. Zongaliero on the outside is Pacify. Kinimbi is right up there on the outside. Kinimbi leads as they run down towards Beaches from Pacify. On the inside is Coral Festival. Then Zongaliero and Caro Boy as they come to Beaches. Kinimbi, Caro Boy, and all the leaders are over Beaches. In fact, practically everything has jumped Beaches. A couple of mistakes at the back, Drow Moore mistake, but they're all over Beaches Brook and come down to the seventh now. As Caro Boy leads over it. From Coral Festival in second, Zongaliero third, then Kininvi. Behind Kininvi is Tenekun. Behind those is Lord Gulliver. Then comes Kylo Glady and Pacify, then Drum Rowan and then Royal Mail. On the wide outside is Sebastian as the leaders come towards the canal turn. And at the canal, it's Caro Boy who leads over it. From Coral Festival in second, a bad mistake there by Lord Gulliver, but he's got away with it. Another prospect is a faller at the canal turn, and over it last is no gypsy, but now they jump Valentine's, and Caro Boy leads over it from Coral Festival in second, then Royal Mail on the inside, and Canimbi on the outside, then Zongaliero, then Tenekun, and then Kylo, Glady, and Pacify, and well, on the outside going well is Elden Edius, we rejoin John Hammer. And Caro Boy fell when in the lead, drum row, and went at Valentine's, incidentally. And Caninvi is also down there. The tailed off ones are So and Dramore. And as they go to the next, it's Zongaliero from Alderneated, Lord Gulliver. And the four at the back of the field was Tenor Coon. So and Dramore still tailed off as they go to the next. Zongaliero leads from Alderneated, then Lord Gulliver and Sebastian and Royal Stewart and Kylog Lady and Spartan Missile right up there. Just in behind them is Pacify, then comes Royal Mail and Rubstick, and Dramore has refused as we rejoin Peter O'Sullivan. And it's Aldenidi on the inside from Sebastian. Just in behind them come Royal Stewart, then Lord Gulliver on the inside, then comes Zongaliero, then Kylo Glady, then Spartan Missile, then Cheers. Just in behind Cheers is Pacify, then Rubstick. Behind Rubstick is Royal Mail. Then comes Coral Festival. Behind Coral Festival is Senator McLacurry, and they're coming down now towards the next, and it's Sebastian Aldeniti, Royal Stewart. These three just ahead of Zongaliero and Lord Gulliver. Then Spartan Missile and Cheers. 
And over this one, Sebastian, Alderniti, and Lord Gulliver have fallen there. Lord Gulliver has gone at that one. A very bad mistake, too, by my friendly cousin. And it's Alderniti, Sebastian, Zongoliero, Royal Stewart, Rubstick just in behind them, then Pacify, then comes Spartan Missile and Kylo Glady. And they're running down now towards the chair. And as they do so, it's Alderniti over on the far side from Zongoliero. Rubstick and Sebastian are behind them, Kylo Glady. Royal Stewart right up with them on the near side. Over the chair, Alderniti lands in the lead from Royal Stewart. Sebastian behind uh, Sebastian is Zongoliero. Then comes Rubstick and Kylo Glady and Royal Stewart and Royal Mail rather, and over the water. It was Royal Stewart in the lead from Alderniti. In third place, Sebastian. Four is Zongoliero. Five and six are Kylo Glady and uh, Rubstick. Just in behind them come Pacify, Royal Mail, Senator McLacurris, Barton Missile, three to one. Royal Exile making ground on the inside with uh, Casa Mayor. Just in behind them come Cheers. And as they come to the Melling Road now, it's Rubstick on the inside of Zongolero. Alderniti up there on the outer with Sebastian and ra racing wide of them, Royal Stewart. Just in behind them, Royal Mail, then Royal Exile still making progress and over to John Hanmer. And Rubstick on the inside, just the leader from Alderniti. Then Sebastian and Alderniti, in fact, landed in front. And going to the next, it's Alderniti from Robstick, and Kylo Glady was the faller at the 17th. Going to the 18th, Alderniti, Robstick, Royal Stewart, Pacify, Sebastian, Zongoliero, Royal Mail creeping up on the inner. Spartan Missile not far behind them towards the outside. Coming to the 19th fence, the open ditch, and Alderniti in the lead. Jumps it first from Rubstick, a mistake by Royal Stewart, then Pacify. And the back markers all jumping well except for three of Diamonds who nearly went. And Diane Piero has refused at that and ended up in the ditch as they jump the 20th and over to Julian Wilson. And Alderniti and Bob Champion lead over it. And Royal Stewart was a faller there. And running down to the next, it's Alderniti from Rubstick in second. Pacify towards the outside. Then comes Royal Mail towards the outside. Spark Missile is there and going well. And over that one, Alderniti leads from Pacify and Rubstick. Then comes Royal Mail. Then Senator McLecuria. Then three to one and Spark Missile towards the outside. Then Casamayor. Then a gap back to Royal Exile as the leaders run down to Beechers for the second time with Bob Champion leading the field on Alderniti at Beechers. Alderniti over, pacifies the baller there, Rubstick's over. Then Royal Mail behind that and then three to one, then Senator McLecury. Zongolier is a faller there. Spartan Missile still in the race as they come to the 23rd fence. Alderniti over from Rubstick and Royal Mail. Behind those is Senator McLecury, then three to one, then Spartan Missile on the outside of Royal Exile. Then comes Might Be. On the inside of that one is Rathleck. Then there's a gap back to Casamayo as the leaders come to the canal turn. And it's still Bob Champion and Alderniti. He's over from Royal Mail over in second, Rubstick third, Senator McLecury behind that and uh, over just three behind that was Spartan Missile as the leaders run up to Valentine's Brook and Alderniti is over stood right back at it and three of diamonds has gone at the back but it's Alderniti from Royal Mail then Rubstick then Senator McLecury and three to one then Spartan Missile and Royal Exile and might be as we rejoin John Hammer and Alderniti has jumped the fifth from home in the lead from Royal Mail then comes Rubstick and three to one and might be a faller. And as they go to the last open ditch, the fourth from home, it's Alderniti, closely pressed by Royal Mail. Then three to one, challenging Rubstick for third place. 
then Senator Mac the Curry Spartan Missile Royal Exile Rathleck and Casamayor. And there aren't many behind that as they go to the third last. It's Aldeniti, closely pressed now by Royal Mail. Martinstown has gone there. Three to one's in third place. Fourth is Senator Mac Le Curry. Spartan Missile just passing Rub Stick. But as they go across the Melling Road, it's Aldeniti from Royal Mail. Senator Mac Le Curry, three to one. Spartan Missile, Rub Stick and Royal Exile. And back to Peter O'Sullivan. Yes, it's Aldeniti from Royal Mail. Just about three lengths between them. Senator Mac Le Curry is about five lengths back in third. Then comes three to one. Then Spartan Missile. Then Royal Exile and, and Rub Stick. And they're virtually the only ones left in the national now. Aldeniti and Bob Champion from Philip Blacker on Royal Mail. Senator McLacurry is in third place. Fourth is three to one. Then comes Spartan Missile and Royal Exile as they come down towards the second last fence now. Aldeniti being pressed still by Royal Mail. Aldeniti and Bob Champion land in the lead. Royal Mail made a bad mistake, went through it. Senator McLacurry jumped it third. Spartan Missile's now moving into fourth. Then comes three to one. Then Royal Exile. They're coming to the final fence now in the national. And it's Aldeniti and Bob Champion in the lead. Aldeniti jumps it two lengths clear of Royal Mail. Spartan Missile jumps it third and is finishing strongly. Then comes Senator McLacurry and three to one. It's Aldeniti now being pressed by Royal Mail and Spartan Missile is still finishing strongly. It's Aldeniti though as they come to the elbow. They've got over a furlong to run and it's Aldeniti in the lead but being pressed now by Spartan Missile. It's Aldeniti from Spartan Missile and here comes Johnson. 54-year-old Johnson putting in a storming finish. It's Who could ever forget Alden Eaty and that tremendously emotional race in 1981? Well, now we've got a couple of snippets from the Coral Racing Club for you. First of all, John Joe O'Neill has confirmed that Annie Mack next race will be Lady Protectress Chase at Huntington on the 27th of January. So there's one to look out for. And Joe Tizard has also confirmed that West End boy is back in full work now and will go straight for a hurdle race and bypass a bumper. So there's a little bit of news. Have you joined the Coral Racing Club yet? If not, why not? Because it's free and you get all the benefits of being a horse owner. So I've joined. Why haven't you? Well, this week I've had a chance to catch up for my monthly chat with Tom Scudamore. And we started by looking at the changes being made to the whip rules yet again. It's been a busy day. Well, good evening, Tom. Thanks very much for coming on the show again. Um, <clears throat> last time we spoke, we spent some lengths discussing the whip rules. Um, yeah. Now, as we all know, the BHA have decided to go back on their decision to uh, bring in this backhand uh, whipping stance. Um, first of all, I wondered, you know, just just what's your feeling on that? Um, like they they. they... To be fair, they've only changed one, one section of 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 the rules. So they had they they made twenty new recommendations, um, and nineteen were you know, well twenty were accepted to begin with, and they've changed one of them. Um, so you know it's going to be backhand only, and now that's you can still use the forehand, um, but the strikes have gone down and the penalties have become harsher. So it's not, you know, the the sort of feeling that the BHA have backed down I wouldn't agree with because naturally in, in many ways it's you know the, the penalties are a lot lot harsher you know they've, they've, they've cranked them up at, at, again in, in, in order to, to 
keep the back uh, keep the forehand as it were so um i wouldn't say they were they were backtracking i think it's been something that a lot of jockeys were struggling with you know i, I at the time i thought the backhand would work um but i think a lot of the jockeys were just struggling, struggling physically to be able to do it because they have shoulder injuries the very very common thing especially jump jockeys is bad collarbones you know operated shoulders etc etc yeah. so the technique of being able to just use it in one position physically a lot of jockeys can't do it so i think you know now there's no excuse that, that if you can't use the forehand you can use the backhand if you can't use the, the uh forehand, you, know, you can't use the backhand you can use the forehand so there, there, there are no excuses now for the, for the jockeys not to be able to ride within the limits do you, do you think the BHA should have should have known though that uh, a lot of jockeys were going to turn around and say, "Well, yeah, okay, fair enough. <laughs> we understand what you're doing, but you know, have you realised that half of us have got broken shoulders or whatever, and it's going to affect us?" Look, it's a it's a tricky it's a tricky job from BHA you know, from an administration point of view. It is it is tough, and you know they thought through lots of different things, but that was only that was only then brought that, that was only sort of highlighted. Um, when jockeys are getting tapped on the shoulder and saying, you know, in two months' time, you'll be getting a, a, a long ban for your technique in this position, mm. etc. So, you know, it, was, it wasn't something that was brought up at the time because in July the recommendations were made and everyone was pretty happy with it. But sort of in the, you know, in theory, something sound great and in practice they don't. I think in this situations it's one of those things that just in 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 um in practice it, it hasn't worked quite as well as everybody hoped it would and um you know they've, they've just they've had to change slightly but i don't think it's been as big a change or as 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 the as the sort of razzmat you know not razzmatized the wrong word but the hula that's been going on around it mm. well for somebody that hasn't, hasn't ridden a horse for about <laughs> 40 years um Maybe you can enlighten me. I mean, we all know why you've got a whip, and we all know that you need a whip, certainly from the, purely from the point of view of, of maybe having to control a horse that starts getting a little bit worked up or whatever. But but under sort of average conditions and in, in a race, do you sort of use the whip every race, for example? Yeah, look, you, you there's, there's two reasons you use it for. First of all, is safety. Second of all, it's, in, it's for encouragement. Mm. Um, you know, and, and in order for any, any sport to be competitive, you know, you, you have to have that encouragement there. You know, you're not making them run any fast or anything like that, but you are able to coerce them into maintaining their effort for longer. Every horse is different. Some horses don't, you know, there's very few, but there are some horses that don't, don't respond to it. Other horses only respond to it. So, um, you know, you have lazy individuals, you have more individuals that are on your side. So, mm. you know, it, it all depends on, all, all depends on, on, on the horse, but it is, it is a vital tool and it is one that, that, that you, you definitely need for, for racing to become competitive. The, the countries, um, and you know, the, the countries that have, have gone away from, from using, uh, the whip as a form of encouragement you know the racing has basically gone downhill since then because people won't bet on it and um you know it's, it's not it's not a not a great spectacle no no i mean to take an example um last weekend you very nearly won a big race um 
I was shouting you on, but you just didn't <laughs> quite make it. Would a few more? Yeah, I didn't quite get there. The, the winner just got away from us, jumping the third last. We could never get it back. We were just, he just had a little bit too much toe for us. Yeah. Um, from there, and and um, yeah, I thought I thought we were going to get back halfway up the running when he missed and he, he didn't the winner didn't jump the last very well. I thought we were going to get back up, but mm. it wasn't to be. But he, Ramsey's ran a, ran a tremendous race. Um, it's always frustrating finishing second. But a couple more taps on on his bum wouldn't have made a lot of difference then. No, no. Look, he's he's one that always tries his his very very best, and mm. uh, he's a real yeah. Ramsey today is a real joy to ride. And, um, he, uh, he always gives his all. Well, looking at uh, a jockey that always gives his all, you, you've had a, a pretty good run the last couple of days. I was looking up on third, second, first, third, second, fifth, which is yeah, pretty, pretty consistent. Too, uh, ridden, too, ridden, ridden too many seconds recently. Um, it's been quite a sort of... It's been a funny time because a lot of horses... Um, obviously, after the Christmas period is very busy and I would like to have ridden more winners than I did, but uh, at the same time, um, rode a nice winner and had a good second in the King George, so things weren't too bad. But um, you know, there, there's not that much race. So after you've had the very busy period of, the, of of racing after Christmas, it does quiet down a little bit for the next couple of weeks. And also on t- on top of that, um, the same as humans, horses have to have flu jabs, and this is the time of year that they get them. And uh, so you know, a, a few of them, you know, there's a lot of horses out of action of that. You know, it's only they have a jab and it only takes them a couple of weeks to get over it. Um, but, uh, you know, for, for the likes of you know, the big yards, David Pipe and et cetera, they won't have as many runners as usual because they'll be, um, you know, giving giving all their horses their inoculations. And is is that why there's, there's, there's not so much racing generally at the moment? I mean, do the... the... Yeah, that's basically um, it's something that all, all the horses have to have their inoculations this time of year. And um, something that was brought in a few, a couple of years ago and uh, this is the sort of first year it's all, uh, you know, all, all had to happen. A lot of yards have always blue jabbed them anyway, but now it's you, you have to do it, and um, you, know, it, it, you have to do it by a certain date. You have to do it every six months, and um, this is the sort of time it, it falls into. So um, that's why there's, you know, for the next couple of weeks, um, racing is a little bit quieter. Well, it's worked for me anyway. <laughs> I haven't <had> it yet. <laughs> um, but but looking at your your rides, your forthcoming rides, have you got anything on Saturday? I looked up, but there was nothing on down uh, on yeah, Saturday. Yeah, I think I'll be at Warwick on Saturday. I, I don't know exactly what yet. Right. I'll be at Warwick on Saturday, and then I'm taking the journey up to Kelso mm. on Sunday, and then I, I'm either Bobwell or Hereford on Monday, um, and then Chepstow on Tuesday. So, like, it's still pretty busy. I'm, we're getting the miles in. Um, yeah. But, uh, well, yes, definitely. Going to go making making the making the Scottish trip up to the borders, but we'll, uh, we'll give it a bit good shot. Yeah. Now you've got two down the, uh, two down to go there. Just just don't know in Highlander Hill. Um, any chances? Do you think? Uh, just don't know would have a, a chance. Uh, he's entered in two races. I think he's probably going to run in the most valuable race of the two. Chase. Um, he ran. You know, finished second a few times um, he's running from a little bit out of the handicap so he'll be carrying a couple more pounds uh, than he should be but look, he's tough, he's consistent and he deserves a shot at a decent race there's not going to be many runners and uh, look, hopefully you know, he's a he's a bold jumping front runner and um, hopefully you know, we can make the most of his lightweight Now obviously we're in January it's only a, sort of six weeks I guess something like that to Cheltenham um, 
you're obviously looking forward to it. Uh, have you have you got any sort of promises of, of good rise, or does it does it not come till a bit um, later? It's too uh, it's it's too it's too early to say really at the moment. Um, you know, there's still plenty of people with uh, you know horses that have got plenty of aspirations and dreams, but they can still have their bubble burst beforehand. Um, I won a nice bumper on an Irish horse at Cheltenham uh, in October. Uh, as far as I know, he, he runs in the, in the champion bumper and he'd be uh, one of the more fancied horses. They will have plenty of runners at Cheltenham, um, all being well. Um, but it's it's too far out at the moment to say what horses go for where. We don't have the, you know any of the major players in the, in the novice hurdles or novice chases. So, we, you know, the majority of our runners will be in the handicaps and we'll just have to wait and see at this moment um, what, what goes where. But, you know, there are tentative plans, you know, just, just waiting for it all to be to be put, put into stone. But that, that'll only, you know, that, that'll be in the next few weeks. Well, I should put your name down for Constitution Hill if I was you, mate. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be nice. Wouldn't mind riding him. That'd be all right. There's a big queue for him. I'm not sure, I'm not yeah. sure Nico would... Nick, Nick, not sure Nico would, would would let me on him, but I'm much tougher than him. So no. if I if I, if he if he, get, if he gets beaten up between now and then, you know he's done it. <laughs> well, indeed, yeah. Well, what a horse though! Fantastic horse, isn't he? And what a prospect, really. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's a he's a he's a fantastic horse, and uh, no, he looks an absolute superstar. You don't get him coming along that often, do you? But look, Tom, thanks ever no. so much for coming on the show, mate. Really appreciate it, and. Uh, all been well. If you're happy with it, we'll give you a call again in three or four weeks and see how things are going then. Spot on, Eddie. Not a problem at all. I really appreciate it. Thank uh, you very lovely much. Lovely job. Thanks, Tom. Appreciate it too. See, see you soon. Well, that was Tom Scudamore, and we should be keeping an eye on his progress uh, over the next few weeks and joining him again soon on The Racing Show. And now it's time to catch up with Dave Wilson from Harlequin Racing. Well, good afternoon, Dave. Earlier than usual for you today, but um, obviously you've got some good stuff for us, have you? Yeah, we're uh, going to follow up from last week where we had uh, two winners and two places in our each way lucky 15, and uh, we managed to withdraw £48.15 from the bookmaker for that one. Oh, that's so a... we had a profit of £40.65 on there. Oh, that's and okay then. We're going to start that off uh, the yearly figure at the moment, so we got a nice profit, and we made a donation to the Injury Jockeys Fund, even though we hadn't got there. We made £25 payment into the into jockeys fund at the beginning of this year as well so uh, well done. that's well helped their little thing long forum yeah. we're going to have a look at four races up at Kempton on uh, Saturday and uh, we're going to start with the 12.55 race and the horse that we like in here is called Collector's Item we gave him back in October when he won nicely for us up at Chepstow uh, he's had three runs officially to date, plus a point-to-point. -point. On his first bumper run at Newbury, he finished second, uh, beating half a length by a horse called We've All Been Caught Out. Now, We've All Been Caught Out come out and won very convincingly at Cheltenham last week. And uh, previous to that, Collector's Item beat Hugo's new horse, who's won three races on the bounce since. So uh, he's got some very good form, and the... The other line of form where he's been beaten, he came fifth, and he was beaten by a horse called Hermes Aran, uh, who won the big race uh, at Newbury a couple of weeks ago for us, uh, Tolworth. So uh, he's got very, very strong form in there, whereas 
making your mind up who is the second favourite, the Nichols horse. He won at Chepstow, but he was about 10 lengths slower than the other division when he won that. So I've got a feeling that the bookmakers are going to price making your mind up very short and collector's items going to be the second favourite. So we're certainly going to start the day off in the 12.55 with collector's item. OK. Moving down to the 130 race, a uh, horse that we like here is Smarty Wild. TJ O'Brien's going to be riding it for Philip Hobbs. Now, he won this race in 2021, and he came second in this race last year. Now, he's only £2 higher in the handicap than when he comes second in the race. Uh, but after that run, he, he had a run at Kempton, and he was very unlucky. He was closing right up on the leaders, and uh, unfortunately, as he, as he jumped, uh, another horse nudged him in the air, and he fell. And it's just one of those things that happen. He's not a horse that I'd say is a a prime suspect to fall at the fence, but it was just an unlucky incident. But the other thing that we've noted from him, he's had 24 races on his racing career at the moment, and he's been in the first, well, he's been in the frame 17 times out of them 24 runs. So he's always a horse that's going to be there, thereabouts at the finish, no matter what the type of race is. So we're going to go up with Smarty Wild in the 130 as our leg two. Okay. Moving down to the 205 race, the Silviano Conti uh, Class 1 Grade 2 affair. Now, when we gave Hermes Allen the other week, we told you to get your spare mortgage money on him. This week, we're coming with uh, another bet of the same sort of ilk with Paint, you, paint the Dream. Connor Brace takes a ride for Fergal O'Brien. Now, this fella, I've seen him run on soft going twice at Newbury, and he's absolutely destroyed the field. And I don't think that the favourite in the race, Pictory, will be able to cope with the conditions as well as Paint the Dream will. Now, it's currently priced up around about 5 to 2, Paint the Dream. Now, the line of form that I really do like the look of is he finished fourth when he got beaten 13 lengths behind the King George winner, Brave Man's Game. And after that race, he came out and destroyed the field at Newbury about four weeks ago, I think it was. And it was an impressive display, and the ground is key to this horse. If it's soft, he just bolts through it. He's, he's an absolute soft ground specialist. So the 205 race there, uh, paint the dream, and that's the weekend's banker bet for us. Righty ho, one um, more then. The, la the last leg, the 240 race, we're going for a big priced <laughs> one here, and I've got a feeling he's going to run really well, not only because I've got a share in him, uh, Pentland's Hill. Uh, Nathan's going to be riding him for Nicky Henderson, Nathan Brennan. And Nathan's a £7 claimer, so he takes a huge £7 off of Pentland's Hill's back in this race. Now, Pentland's Hill won the Triumph Hurdle back in 2019, and then he's been off for 927 days when he pulled a tendon and was lame and needed a lot of recovery. He came back, and in his opening race after 927 days off the track up at Haydock, he won on the flat. Now, since then, uh, Nicky's given him a couple of chase races, and he hasn't really taken to the chase fences. But what it's actually done in the meantime, he's got his fitness levels back up. Now, I think Pentland's Hill is absolutely massively priced at 20 to 1. And I think no matter what's going to happen in the race, I think he'll be in the top four or five in the race, whatever. So he's going to be the last leg of our lucky 15 this week with a big price around him at 20 to 1 there, and that's Pentland's Hills in the 240. So we shall see how we get on this week. 
Jolly good. Thank you very much, Dave. Well, let's hope so. I mean, no, it's nice to see that you've got in, in front now at last and um, we can we can push on now and hopefully, uh, you know, get a nice sizable amount for the injured jockeys fund. Yeah, we've had the problem with so many non-runners and the weather and meetings abandoned. It's yeah. just not been a consistent period at the moment. Now we've just got a nice bit of soft going everywhere. We've had a bit too much rain at some tracks. We've had a couple of cancellations this week, but all around the southwest, I think it'll be fine. It's just soft going, and uh, I think we know where we are with it all now. So hopefully we can just uh, boot on and see what we can do. So, uh, touch wood. Okay, Dave, thanks for that then. We'll speak to you next week. Now it's time to pop up to Gloucestershire and touch base with Richard Phillips. Good afternoon, Richard. Thanks for joining us on the show. Um, uh, quite a, a busy weekend, despite the fact that it's, uh, you know, January and it's not uh, sort of quite lively as usual. Yeah, I mean, there's always something going on every weekend during the old winter months for the jumping brigade, and some weekends are more interesting than others. But it's the Lanzarote at Kempton uh, on Saturday, and Warwick has some really interesting races as well, two great courses. Uh, so, yeah, the Lanzarote's always been an interesting race, named after the great hurdler, um, champion hurdler that was uh, trained by Fred Winter, ridden by Richard Pittman. Uh, won the champion hurdle, I think, in 74, I think I'm right in saying. Uh -huh. But, yeah, it's a great race. Um, there's an Irish challenger in Green Glory from Charles Burns. They were one in Ireland last time out. I think the bookmaker's a little bit frightened of a Charles Burns runner. So he's favourite at the moment. There's Outlaw Pete from Paul Nichols, who, of course, had his 100th winner this um, season already. He had a four-timer at Taunton recently. Uh, this week, and uh, funny, you know, they're in great form, the old Nichols camp, and he'll be the first to admit he's got some great horses, and he's lucky to have such um, a great band of owners to buy him such quality horses, but he still does a brilliant job with them, and Outlaw Pete is a horse that Judy Dench actually has a share in. All right, uh, yeah. he, he's, prog he's progressive, and um, he, he looks as though he's got a chance, especially as he looks a stayer, really, Outlaw Pete, and I think the way the ground at the moment obviously we have loads of rain and um kempton king george meeting showed that a few stairs including paisley park were winning around kempton normally people say that kempton's a sharp track but with the weather we've had and and it's going to take a fair bit of goings uh getting going as it were to to finish those races so outlaw pete's got a chance west belboa uh, again a horse from uh informed stable dan skelton who's been having some great saturdays uh, John Joe O'Neill has Petit Tonnier, um, whose horse that ran well last time out of Newbury. And Cobbler's Dream tries to win the race for the second time, um, so for Ben Case. So <laughs> it's a competitive event. I think Outlaw Pete is a horse to follow. He seemed to be progressive. So for me, he's the each-way bet. He's second favourite at the moment, about a six-to-one shot. But, uh, yeah, it looks, uh, as ever, a competitive handicap. Hmm, OK. And what else have you got for us, Richard? After Warwick. After yeah, Warwick. well, Warwick, that's... Always an interesting day. It's their big day of the year, really. Uh, there's the Three Mile Five Classic Chase, Handicap Chase. Uh, Grand National winners of the past have won this. Uh, Willie Mullins sends over a horse called Mr. Incredible for the race. Um, um, I Will Do It, a horse that won the Welsh National last time it ran. Uh, once again, ridden by Stan Shepherd, trained by Sam Thomas. He makes a comeback in this race. And the favourite at the moment is Three Under Three Five, which is a horse, again, trained by Paul Nichols. So it's a very open handicap, that but it takes some getting that classic chase at Warwick on Saturday, but it's a race to watch rather than have a bet on. And there's a grade two hurdle and a chase. There's a three-mile grade two chase with complete unknown. And once again, Paul Nichols trains that one. There's only four runners in that race, but he, he looks to have a great chance. 
And uh, Nosley Park is a horse that's progressive again. Novice hurdler of one that Chepstow last time out, uh, Paul Nichols. So that's a grade two novice hurdle, two mile five. So Nichols could well have a very good weekend. This, uh, you know, unseasonal amount of rain that we're getting, I mean, you know, how, how much of an effect do you think it's going to have, generally speaking, you know, right across the board in the country? But, I mean, it, you know, it seems to be such a lot. Every day you wake up, it's raining. Well, certainly it is in Somerset anyway. Certainly we've, we're losing a lot of race meetings as well um, through it. So, yes, and horses have harder races inevitably on this sort of ground as well. You know, we had a runner at Exeter this week and the ground was absolutely bottomless. There's a fair few non-runners there. Mm. Um, it's not to do about it. It's coming out of the sky and you can't stop it. But um, it, that's why some of these races are cutting up, as it were, because some horses just simply can't put up with, with the very soft ground. You know, race horses are descendants of Arab horses. They're used to running around in deserts at nine o'clock at night rather than running um, in <laughs> yeah. six yeah. inches to nine of mud. So it doesn't suit all horses. But um, I must admit, there's a horse that does like it. it you know, without your phone, they're going to have a nice few weeks. And how, how about you? Have you had any, uh, had any runners since we last spoke? Yeah, we had a few this week actually that um, that have, have run. Unfortunately, they in this ground that uh, any problems come out and uh, a couple of wind problems might have surf, uh, surfaced. Yeah. So, um, but we're, luckily we can do something about that. And uh, there are operations you can do, and also you can run them on better ground. So hopefully they'll run yeah. better in the spring. But uh, no, we've got a lot of young horses at the moment, and uh, they won't be ready to run yet. Especially when we want to run them on this sort of ground because they take a bit of time getting over it. Yeah, quite, obviously. I appreciate that. OK, then, Richard. Well, thank you very much indeed for that. And, um, as usual, we will catch up with you next week. No problem. Look forward to it. Thanks, thank you, Richard. Adrian. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, now we're off up to Lambourne to catch up with Jamie Snow. Afternoon, Jamie. Thanks for joining us again on the show. I always appreciate it. Um, first thing I was going to ask you was, uh, we've had so much rain lately. Um, it's obviously affecting fixtures. It's affecting you know, all racing. How does it affect you as a trainer from a point of view of keeping the horses fit? I mean, are your gallops reasonably dry or, I mean, how do you get on with it? Yeah, we're, we're, we're very lucky in Lambourne. Obviously, the gallops are, are phenomenal. We've got uh, uh, any any number of different all-weather gallops and grass gallops, obviously. Um, so, th th broadly speaking, the weather doesn't really affect how we train the horses, um, right. whether, it's whether it's minus 10 or or plus 11 and raining um yeah. snow snow is the one thing that really does kind of snarl us up a little bit but um but no uh, we carry on training as as per normal i suppose the 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 one thing about having a lot of wet weather is yeah we are, when you're training on the artificial surfaces a lot of that is 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 a sand based substance yeah. and, and and sand and water can be quite abrasive and we can get sort of sore heels and cuts on their legs which take a bit of managing, but um, as as far as as far as training horses, we carry on as normal. Does it seem to you to have been excessive though in this last two or three weeks? Yeah, yeah, certainly when you're out on it every day, it feels feels fairly excessive. But uh, <laughs> yeah, um, I, I we had a very dry winter last year. We had a very dry summer. Um, I suppose uh, you know these things tend to level 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 themselves up and. And um, yeah, but it does certainly feel that it's been quite wet in the last couple of weeks. And I presume that the reason that Legends Ride didn't run was because of the weather. 
no, uh, she 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 was a bit um, she was a bit stubborn to be honest with you, Aidy, and mm. she said she didn't want to run. Oh right, okay, well that's fair enough then. Well, it just refused to start. Yeah, 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 yeah. She did, unfortunately. Well, I guess I mean you know horses are not humans exactly, but they're not machines either, are they? So you know they must have their own no. feelings and. You know, if he felt that he didn't want to race, he didn't want to race. I suppose it's not like you could do, is there, really? No, 500 kilograms of horse, and, and um, no, if they decide they, they, they don't want to do something or do want to do something, um, there's not a lot you can do about it. No. Has he ever done it before? No, no, never done it before. Well, maybe an extra carrot or something in his tea might help. Yeah, well, I certainly think about that. Eddie. <laughs> you can always allow me to come up with some wonderful, uh, you know, uh, ideas for it. Um, so that being the case, uh, you've got two. Uh, sorry, you've got one running in the Lanzarote at Kempton. Is that still going? That's right. Up for parole runs runs in the uh, the hundred grand handicap. Um, obviously, it was nice to nice to win a valuable handicap last weekend at Sandown on ITV and. And um, yeah, the horses in general are in great order. So um, let, let's hope up for Pearl can go and run a good race on Saturday. Yeah, and then you've also got one either Sunday or Monday obsessed with you. Is that is that still scheduled to go? Yeah, I think she, I think she'll go Monday at Hereford. Yeah. Right, and three at Fontwell. What about those? Uh, Shady Daisy go, goes tomorrow to Sedgefield, um, mm -hmm. and then Ellie Ellie's sister I think will go to Fontwell, uh, and Lady Valentine will have a look to see where we want to be running her. Any chances amongst those? I mean, we've talked about up for parole, but um, obsessed with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, she's a she's a lovely mare. Obsessed with you. Yeah, she's she'd definitely have a chance. She won first time out on debut. Um, she's fourth in a listed race. She runs back here with a penalty. Um, yeah, she's a nice mare. Yeah, uh, Jamie. Well, thank you for that, and uh, I hope things are all going well from from your own point of view. And um, we'll talk next week. Look forward to it. Thanks, Eddie. Well, over the last few weeks, we've had an absentee at the show in that uh, Nick Schofield has been uh, unable to join us because of injury. But I'm pleased to say that he's with us today and he's back on the road, starting at Kempton. Well, hi, Nick. It's great to have you back on the show. Um, must have been a very frustrating uh, couple of weeks or more than a couple of weeks. How long is it now? It must be two months. Yeah, yeah. Um, but... Like everyone gets injured, and um, you actually come back a bit better, hopefully. So, um, no, it's um, frustrated to be missing it, but good to be back at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. And you're coming back on a good chance by the look of it, Staghorn. Uh, not really, um, but he's been off a while, but he needs to sort of get go and get his season going now. So, um, it'll be a good starting point for him. He will enjoy the rain that comes. Yeah. Um, yeah, but. Um, Sort of, I was allowed back on the 14th, and he was the obvious chance. So, so I mean, you know, how's it been? Have you had to do a lot of fitness work to keep up with it all so that you're not, uh... yeah, yeah, just been riding out really, yeah, and 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 what riding out as well, that sort of thing. So, so, yeah, just just done the three four weeks of um riding well, good. So, and I presume the, the first race is going to be the, the worst one, is it? I mean, in terms of fitness and that, um, who. Uh, He's quite a free forward going horse, so um, he's, he's he's a bit tricky. Well, well, not tricky, but he likes to go forward. So yeah. We'll, well, look, mate, it's really good to have you back on the show. But more to the point, it's good to have you back in the saddle. So best of yeah, luck for the you. weekend, and uh, we've missed you, and we'll talk to you again soon. Brilliant. Thanks. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, thanks a lot. Thanks, Nick. See you soon. Bye bye. 
Well, that was Nick Schofield, and it's great to have him back on the show, and uh, hopefully he can make a, an immediate successful start back to racing on Saturday on Staghorn. So, now it's time to go on safari again, over to Sweden, to catch up with Colin Brown. Right, well, good morning, Colin. What's the weather like in Sweden today, then? Well, I tell you what, it's absolutely pouring with rain. I'm sat in the windowsill. Well, not in the windowsill, but sat in the chair looking out the window with my laptop on the windowsill, looking down over a very grey, blustery-looking lake, and uh, hardly any birds about... In fact, just now I just saw a red squirrel scurry across the apple tree and over a bush on top of a telegraph pole and then on the top of a garage roof onto an old oak tree. He's taken a bit of shelter as well. So, um, yeah, it's pretty uh, pretty moderate. But there we go. What's it like in England? Uh, the sun's out. It's uh, better than it has been. It's not raining. Yeah. Um, are you expecting Richard Attenborough to be coming in to continue the show in a minute or what? What about David? <laughs> <laughs> or David then? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, possibly, possibly. <laughs> well, he'd be able to tell you about the red squirrel anyway, if there's nothing else. <laughs> Good one. Yeah. yeah, no, so there we go. That's me. that's me. So, right, where are we going racing then? Warwick, you said, didn't you? No, we're going to Weatherby first. Oh, so Weatherby, are we? Kempton, if that's okay. Yeah, yeah. Weatherby no, first, no, right. Weatherby, um, yeah. yeah, Noel Feely had a double last week. Um, Noel Feely syndicates, they're doing very, very well. They buy some nice horses. And he's got a horse called Hitching Jacking running in the 1247. It's ridden by a guy called Tristram Durrell, who's a good young rider, um, up and coming. He's based with the Skeltons. Um, Harry Skelton went on this last time out when it uh, ran at... Gosh, where did it win last time out? I'm just trying to think... Um, it won at uh, Utopia, so that's right. Um, and it won nicely. One by six cents, I'd say that will win again. So that's called Hitching Jacking 1247 at Weatherby. Okay. Uh, right, moving on. Now, your man, what's he called? Um, McCain, his horses are in good form. He runs one of the next called Richmond Lake, which is going to probably go off favourite. But Sean Byrne, who's having a great year, rides a horse in the race for Martin Keatley, who's a very, very good trainer, Martin. This horse has dropped a few pounds in the handicap at one the other day at Chepstow. And I would say, if the ground doesn't get too soft, this one will take the beating. Witness pro. Um, Witness protection, it's called, in the 122 at Weatherby. Right, uh, you are. two horses that I think will definitely uh, win there. Um, what else wins up here at Weatherby? Well, through the card, a couple of horses that I had marked out, just making sure that they're turning up. That is all about. And, yeah, here we go. Uh, there's a horse that won at Weatherby the other day, trained by um, Oliver Greenall for J.P. McManus. Um, and it made a winning handicap debut, of course, course and distance. Uh, he's less exposed than most of them. It's in the 232. It's called Iroko, number four, Iroko. That's uh, the other horse that I think will win at Weatherby. And that's your lot at Weatherby because we're going to now move to 
good racing actually. A really good racing it is down at um, down at Warwick. But with all the rain you've had, are there any inspections planned? I, I haven't seen any, but um, gosh, it's been so wet with you, isn't it? Yeah, it's been awful. Absolutely awful. And there's still more forecasts as well and snow possibly next week, so uh, yeah. Really? Yeah, not not nice. Well, oh, that's not good. Well, at, at um, Warwick, um, in the 115, uh, it's the weekly support fund, Edward Courage Cup. There, a guy called Edward Courage, Sir Edward Courage, was a great trainer. He had fantastic horses like Rural Relief and Spanish Steps that won Cheltenham Festivals and all sorts of big races. Um, lovely, lovely man. He just trained a few of himself up near Banbury and the state up there. Very rich man, I think he was. I think he might have been the uh, the first courage, if you like, you know, as in the beer. Mm-hmm. And um, this race is named in his memory. And I think this will go to um, Jamie Moore and Gary Moore with a horse called uh, Haddock de Zobo, a winner last time out at Doncaster. Before that, it was second at Kempton before that. It was going quite well in behind uh, when he unseated at Newbury beyond Boot Hill. So um, I think this will win the uh, this race, and it's called um, Hadex de Zobo in the 115 at Warwick. What kind of a name is um, that for a horse, eh? Hadex de Zombo. Bloody hell. Yeah, I suppose actually, if you if you look it up, it means something in French. I know yeah. your French isn't very good, so no, it's not. No, yeah, no, no. you wouldn't understand. No, uh, not. Right, the Ballymore novices hurdle at two twenty-five is a good race. And you know, Gary Moore's got a horse in a race that never stops winning. It's only won some smallish races at, at Newbury, at Lingfield and Fontwell. But you know, it wouldn't be the biggest surprise if it went close in the. Uh, Ballymore Leamington Novice Hurdle at 2.25, and it's called Givega. Now, is that the mare that's a half-sister to Quivega, who won the mare's hurdle at um, Cheltenham the last four years running? So this could be quite good. Round about 7 to 1, listeners, looks quite a good price. I would have thought, as soon as I mentioned that 7 to 1, you would have thought Mary would be writing that down. That's the top of the list to... Uh, to get on um, at uh, at Warwick, maybe put it in a double with Hadex de Zobo, which they're both trained by Gary Moore. So, Mary, I hope you're well. Um, we've been doing a bit of messaging and a couple of pictures we've sent each other. So, Mary's in good form and um, enjoying the uh, the rain. I doubt down <coughs> there in Dorset, like you are, you're not. But you've got sunshine yeah. today, you said. So yeah, no, better. today it's it's nicer anyway. So. Yes, we want to make the most of it now. Absolute, absolute. Right, um, what wins the next? I'm going to give you a horse in the next race. Um, anyway, I'm going to give you a horse in the next race <clears throat> who who's um, well capable of winning. That's the three o'clock at Warwick. And it's called Fortescue. Um, trainers in good form. Didn't run a great race in the Coral Welsh National. Pulled up in the end, but um, it's had some good form, and I think the trip probably will suit it better. Got a couple of furlongs, and um, I think it's got a chance at 20 to 1, Fortescue in the 3 o'clock at Warwick. Um, right, E.O. Um, let's move across to Kempton, I think, because there is some really good racing at Kempton. 
Have you ever been to Kempton? Yes. Oh, good. I had one. My, I think. I think it. Uh, or was it Sandown? No, it was Sandown. I'm thinking of. No, no. Well, so I haven't then. Oh, yes, I have. We oh. went to the cricket club once. So yes, I have been there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, right. okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Do you know? Uh, good racing at Sandown at Stokesley and um, you know, good prize money but no runners I'm afraid because just I suppose I, I don't know why there aren't many runners I'm really disappointed with the pretty small card anyhow we'll start with the 1.30 and it's the Coral Racing Club and uh, I know a few of your listeners have probably joined the Coral Racing Club it's free you can just open the bookmakers account with Coral for I don't know five or ten or something and uh, fill in a few things online, all of a sudden, you, you, you've got a little share. Very awesome. Um, for free, you're, you're going to get a bit of the prize money if they win some, but you're not going to actually own them outright. But who wants to own them outright when you can have a bit of fun with the club and not have to put your hand in your pocket? That's what I say, anyhow. Absolutely. Um, right, what wins? What wins this race? I think Kitty's Light could go close. Um, Kitty Light ran in it last year, was second to Captain Noir, but that doesn't run this time. And I think Kitty's Light, around about 12 to 1 in the 130 at uh, Kempton Park, has got a big old chance, I really do. Enrillo, the nickel source, probably the danger. You know, Nichols does so well at this meeting, uh, where every meeting can be perfectly honest, but he does so well at um, Kempton Park, always has loads of winners, so you've got to be looking out for the nickel sources there. Yeah, he's, um, he's got his hundred, hasn't he, Mr. Nichols? Yeah. Well, I mean, how does he, how does he do it? I mean, him, every year it's the same, isn't it? He's, he's a machine. I know. Unbelievable. He is a winning machine. Yeah. He obviously does such a good job, and he's got so many good <coughs> staff around him. Yeah, that's right. Right, right. in the 205, I think Nichols, Nichols and Harry Coppin are with this horse called Pick Dory, owned by Mrs. Johnny... Um, De La Haye. They have loads of women. If you go to Ascot and see those colours under, under Nichols' name, uh, Johnny De La Haye, they're in pink and blue. All these back and put me doubles and troubles because I tell you what, they have so many winners, it's not true. They do extremely well. Okay, I um, remember that. Where are we? You're at the 205 at Kempton, mate. Yeah, we are. We're going to move on to the 240. I won this race a few, well, a long time ago, Lanzarote Handicap Hurdle. Um, and it's a good old race again this year. It's always a good race. It's a race where, you know, they're highly competitive horses, really, you know, out there doing their best, taking on each other. And um, what wins it? Well, there's some decent horses in it. And do you know I think Gary Moore's horse, 50 ball, has got an each-way chance around about 28 to 1. The winner at Ascot the other day, second at Sandown, um, not beaten that far at Newbury in the big one last year, 50 ball, and I don't know, he's at about 28 to 1, I think he's a real good each-way bet. Um, the other horse I quite like at a big price from the Hobbs neighbours, horse called Camprov. Um, he's got very good form. He won at Punchestown about four runs ago. You know, he's a winner at Sandown Park. He's got some good form. So they're the two I quite fancy in the 3.30. And that, I'm afraid, is your lot because uh, I don't really fancy anything else there. Uh, they'll do for me on Saturday. Yeah. Okay, well, it's better to 
tip horses that you do fancy and chucking ones that you don't. So that's fine. I'm happy with that. Uh, absolutely. So we're hoping and praying that we can find a few nice women for listeners yeah. uh, on on was it Saturday the fourteenth? Yeah. Okay. Well, make sure you don't get lost in the Swedish uh, hills over there, and um, we'll look for. No, of course, you're back in Blighty next week, aren't you? So we shall. Uh, we yeah. Shall, we shall look forward to speaking to you then. I hope. Okay, Eddie, we'll do that. You take care, and we'll uh, we'll uh, speak to you soon. And have a great weekend, listen. Okay, and you have a safe trip back. See you soon. We'll do. Cheers, bye. 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 Right, well, that was Colin Brown over there in Sweden, but he'll soon be coming back home to good old Blighty. In fact, he'll be back for next week's show. So there we go. Uh, and Colin Brown obviously brings to an end our show for this week. Thank you very much for listening. Hope you've enjoyed the programme. Hope we've got lots of winners for you. And let's hope the weather improves a little bit so it's not quite so miserable when you go racing. But until next week, this is A.D. Hopper saying thanks for listening. Join us again next week, same time, same station, here on Three Valleys Radio.